Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love being here. We love this church. It is so nice to visit from my church plant in the gym. I know I joke about that, but please understand my heart. We are a ministry of Victory Church. We are only able to do what we do because of you. Because of your faithfulness, because of your giving, because of what you have put into this church. I am a product of this church. My wife is a product of this church. Uh, My oldest child was dedicated in this church. My youngest child, we'll pray for him. He wasn't dedicated here, but, you know, there's hope for him yet. Um, No, we are so thankful to be here. Uh, Thank you again for putting up and worshiping with us in our kids' church. You've just got a little taste of what we do. And if you saw my wife, please give her extra pat on the back because she puts in a lot, a lot of work for these things. Um, I also just want to take a quick moment and say this. If you are in here and you got checked in as a child and you are just waiting, you are more than welcome to go to the gym right now and hang out with the rest of the kids. We just didn't want you in the gym unsupervised. Some of you are like, thank you, Jesus, because I ain't paying for stuff. You'd be surprised what kids could break in a gym. Thank you, Pastor Keith. The, uh, but you'd be surprised what could happen in a gym, unsupervised kids. Ask our maintenance crew. You know, walls, brick walls, they're sturdy, are they? Cages around safety lights, are there? All kinds of wonderful things. But this morning, as we get ready to kick off into the Word and go right into our message here, I just wanted to take a moment. Um, So since I don't get to be here in the sanctuary with you all, I have to kind of be an online member. So I usually watch the messages during the week so I can stay up with what Pastor Keith or uh, whoever's speaking in our church is preaching on. And um, um, so if you see Pastor Sarah and me duking it out in the parking lot later, it's because I watched last week's message. And she listed what she believed was the greatest Christmas movie. I'm not saying she's wrong, but she wasn't right. She said Elf was the greatest Christmas movie. Some of you say that, but I'm here to tell you Elf is not a good Christmas movie. Elf is a terrible Christmas movie, and here's why. All of you sinners who are sitting here disagreeing with me, he doesn't mention Jesus one time. As a matter of fact, they spend all their time trying to raise awareness, preaching the good news, if you will, about Santa Claus. I mean, Santa Claus. Just saying, they even stole Saint Nicholas and made him Santa Claus. Coca Cola put him in a red suit. You know, this, it's getting bad. So I thought I would share with you what are the top six Christmas movies. According to me, and I'm usually right, just ask my wife. You ready? Home Alone 2. Okay. And I know what you're thinking. That's number six. Why is Home Alone 2 on there, Pastor Pete? Because it's the only movie sequel 
that held itself up to the original, okay? Which makes number five, Home Alone. Obviously. And for those of you who are like, Pastor Pete, you're a terrible Christmas person. You're wondering, what am I doing right now? This is for all the true fans of Home Alone right here. And yes, my socks match this. For all you people who make my Christmas hard with all your extras, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. And that goes for you online people too. Uh, no. It's the need for family. Here's my personal favorite. One of my favorites. Christmas story. You know what I'm talking about. You'll shoot your eye out. Why is that a phrase from a famous Christmas movie? Why? Because the ultimate gift, if it's abused, you'll shoot your eye out. The Grinch. Now, I put, and I don't mean Jim Carrey's version, and I think Jim Carrey was great, the whole movie itself. I could have used a little more from the rest of the cast. Jim Carrey did great. The new cartoon that came out was cute, but it doesn't beat the original. And it's a character that I identify with deeply. <laughs> Every Christmas, my heart has to grow two sizes. Sometimes three, depending on the day. You ready for the next one? This is a good one. A Christmas carol. A Christmas carol. How many of you saw the movie, uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas? Brought... Christmas was actually a holiday that was kind of dying off. It was beginning to go the way of like President's Day, you know, <laughs> just kind of being forgotten about. And due to his book, An Awareness of Christmas, which helps bring the focus back to Jesus, came back in. But one of my favorite things is as a man who thinks he's figured everything around him, everybody around him is out to get something from him. And yet nothing, nothing is worth having those friends and family around to share the joy of Christmas and Jesus Christ with them. And then, for all of you cynics out there, if you were here last year, you would know the number one Christmas movie, according to Pastor Pete, which might as well be a gospel, because there are two Peters in the Bible, okay? Charlie Brown's Christmas. And if you don't know why, we will have an altar prayer time at the end of service where you can meet Jesus, and then we will take you into a room and show you that movie so you can know how Jesus... No, it is about bringing the focus of Christmas back to Jesus, and about how with nothing you can still enjoy all of Christmas. Now that we've gone through all of my favorite Christmas movies, and again, if you see Pastor Sarah looking for me after service... If you could give me a heads up and let me know, I'll just head the opposite direction because she said she was going to fight whoever disagreed with her, but <laughs> I love Pastor Sarah and I'm a little afraid of her, okay? So let's just keep it at that. And if you were here last year and you saw me preach for Christmas, you heard me talk about the ultimate gift. And if you remember how I went through this huge, crazy situation to get said gift, and I said it was my ultimate gift. It was an original Game Boy. Okay? And if you've looked on the stage, you will see, I, wanted, I thought it appropriate that I would show you 
This is the gift that I got when I was 10 years old, the original one. And I know for all of you who are out there, like Pastor Pete, that's great and all. Yes, I even still have the USB connect plug. We didn't know that was called USB back then. We just said you had to get a special cord connector so you could play Tetris with each other. And for all of you who are out there going, Pastor Pete, that's great, that's fine, but I'm sure it's terrible and it doesn't work anymore. Oh, it still does. Oh, I turned the volume down so you won't hear the bading. That's a, that's a thing from my days when you, you turned volume down, you didn't put AirPods in. You also didn't adjust your stuff. Are you ready? Let's see if we can. You know what sound that is. That's Tetris right there. Ready to go. So it still works. I will let my children look at it. Um, my youngest breathed on it one too hard one time, and I pulled it away from him. So I just want to share, for all of you parents who go, how come we don't have anything? Get them a really good gift they'll remember, grow up, grow up, become a pastor, and preach about one day. And that toy will last them for ages. And if you don't do that, well then, again, we'll have an altar up here where you can pray and meet Jesus. I'm just kidding. No, thank you also for being here today and hearing me and having some fun with us and our kids. They're actually in the gym right now partying uh, on, a, on a bouncer and getting cookies. So if they're sugared up when you go to see them, my wife wanted to do it. I was against it wholeheartedly. Um, I said no. She said yes. And men, you know that when your wife says yes and you say no, you compromise and then say yes, because that's how life works. Amen. Happy wife, happy life. But Christmas is one of the few holidays that the older I get, the more and more becomes less about what I get out of it and more about what I can give to it. You know, so often we get wrapped up in this, what do I get, what do I get? My kids, good Lord, my children, they do Amazon wish lists and send it to relatives. Now, I tried to tell them early Amazon wish lists. And where is she? My mother-in-law's in here. I'm not going to point her out because I don't want to put her on the spot. She did a thing that I absolutely loved, and it brought back all kinds of wonderful things in my childhood. She would get, are you ready for this? The early Amazon wish list. Do you know what that was? That was a catalog that you would circle stuff with. And she would get the Christmas books for the boys so that they could find and circle all kinds of stuff. And that brought back so many memories of me as a kid with the JCPenney catalog. You know what I'm talking about. It weighed 95 pounds. <laughs> you know, mailmen used to be jacked because of catalogs and phone books. Now they're jacked because of Amazon packages. And they'd come up, boom, and you'd open it to the middle. <sighs> That's the closed section volume one you know and you would open it to that kid section that one at december always came with the big kid section the one at sears they would send a separate book they were smart and every kid you'd open it up and you know it was terrible my mother was the type she would give you a black pen but then she'd give my sisters black pens so i'd be flipping through and i'd go and my dad would make a joke so you want a Barbie dream house? 
no, Dad, I want the Power Wheels, or I want the Game Boy, or I want whatever cool toy was happening. Remember laser tag? Everybody used to buy laser tag. It was $750,000. Parents are mortgaging their homes so that their kid can play two and a half minutes worth of laser tag because the D batteries all went out. And why is it the bigger the battery, the faster the toy dies? They know what they're doing. But if we're honest, gifts feel often like the important part of Christmas. What do you stress over? Oh, have I got enough gifts for everybody? Oh, did I get the same amount? I think I spent a little more on this person than that person. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I now have a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old. The 14-year-old's gifts are more expensive than the 11-year-old's gifts. And I know what you're thinking, Pastor Pete, are you saying you spend more on your 14-year-old than your 11-year-old? Don't you love your kids equally? No, I don't do that. My wife does. <laughs> and before you go judging her like she loves one more than the other, it has nothing to do with loving one more than the other. It has everything to do with the cost of certain things. If I, My 14-year-old, you saw him. He's my height. We buy him adult clothes. They're more expensive than children's clothes. We try to force the one who's my 11-year-old into children's clothes, but it's really hard to find triple XL in a child's outfit. We have to go into the adult range. And for whatever reason, those two boys did not match up perfectly in the seasons. So every once in a while, one will hit a growth spurt in a season, and we just won't have clothes for them. Because my wife is really good. She saves, she puts it away, pulls it out, Make sure it's clean, ready to go, and we can pass it on to the next child. It looks brand new. It's really, she's good at that. I would have thrown it out and mortgaged my home to buy clothes for everybody. But you see, so often the gift is what we, we put on the pedestal. As a matter of fact, if you watch kids, they'll often go and be looking at the presents trying to guess which, which gift it is. My brother-in-law I'm not saying, he's a pastor, so he wouldn't tell you that he's a psychic, but I've watched him pick up packages, go, I know exactly what this is. And I'm thinking, he might be semi-right, but he's clairvoyant. And we'll open it up, it'll be exactly what he says it is. And I'm like, that's just not fair. Do you know how good that would have been for me as a child? Going up to that tree? I know. Oh, that's her present. Nope, that's her present. That's mine. That sounds like Legos. This sounds like underwear. <laughs> my parents used to play pranks on me all the time and do things like give me socks in my stocking because that was the thing you could open the night before. You see, all the talk of presents leads us to the ultimate gift of Christmas. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? Well, Pastor Pete, it's because the wise men gave gifts. Mm. Their gifts were in appreciation and thankfulness for God sending His gift to us. And I love you all, but the number of gifts that were sent to start Christmas 
is a lot less than the number of gifts we do at Christmas. I'll hear some parents talk about, well, I gave this one eight, and this one has seven, so I've got to go to the store and get another one. God said one was enough to send. And hear me, I'm not judging anybody or trying to put pressure and be like, I'm going to have every kid in kids' church mad at me. Pastor Pete said, we don't need to give gifts, so that's what we're doing. I will deny it. And they like me, so they'll believe me. God gave us the best gift that he could have ever given us. Now, here's the funny thing. One of the reasons I'm a big fan of Christmas Carol was I thought of something. How many remember there was three ghosts? Ghosts of Christmas past or spirits. If you're British, you would say spirits. And it sounds so much more biblical if I say spirits. Because my parents... Uh, I grew up in a, a Christian home where we tried not to celebrate anything ghost-related, but the Holy Ghost was everywhere. Can I just tell you, this is how things would go. My mother would be like, the Holy Ghost is watching you and paying attention and knows what you did. If that's not putting fear of the ghost into your child, I don't know what is. I remember being like, you get off of me. I'd go into my room sometimes and look under my bed, Holy Ghost. And then I'd go to church and they'd be like, the Holy Spirit will be with you. And, bring... and I'm like, that's so much nicer. So for today's purposes, we will say spirits. There was the spirit of Christmas past, the spirit of Christmas present, and the spirit of Christmas yet to come. But I want to focus on the middle one today. See, last week we had vintage Christmas, so that was kind of our spirit of Christmas past. This week, we have the spirit of Christmas presence. Now, I don't mean presence that you open under the tree. I mean presence, as in where you are and what you're doing. You see, God gave us, not just by sending His Son to die on the cross, He gave us that ultimate gift of being able to access His presence. His presence is in this room. His presence is all around us. How many of you, show of hands, love social media? Raise your hand. Now, don't do this right now, but check your phone later to see your screen time for how long you've been on social media. For something that you don't care very much about, and I did see one or two hands, so I appreciate y'all's honesty. For something that you say you don't like or care very much for, you sure spend a lot of time doing it. Now, why is social media not as good as the actual being around people and being with everyone? Because of the presence. There is something about when somebody... Listen, can I be real? When I'm at a, a family gathering and... I'm going, to use my, uh, I'm going to use my family in the house. So me, my wife, my two boys. And we're sitting there, and my mother who lives in Tulsa will FaceTime us. I am thankful for that interaction. We get to see her. You know, sometimes uh, last year we got stuck in the Southwest cancellation stuff. So we were in the, uh, 
we were at home for Christmas. Normally, we fly out to see them. And while we're opening presents, we're putting her on FaceTime so that we can see her. But it's not the same as having her in the room. Okay? I'm thankful, okay? Just like I'm thankful for having a Bible. I'm thankful for being able to to have church online so if I'm not able to be in the room with you all, I have a way of still trying to stay connected. But there's something about when you're in the room. There's something about when you're in the presence of God. We have made a lot about the presence when we should be about His presence. We should be about Wrapping ourselves in His love and His comfort. We should know His Word good enough so that we, it comes out of our mouths when we have problems. When we hear of a situation, we can trust that God's going to take care of it. You do that by having it in your heart. Now here's a thing. I want to talk to you today. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. I'm going to go through these scriptures. You see, this is a particular scripture that really doesn't get a lot of Christmas coverage, if you will. But hear me, Jesus is in it. He's the reason we celebrate Christmas. It goes, okay? This is a story of the rich young ruler. In verse 17, it says this, as Jesus was starting out On his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 18, Jesus says this phrase that should have puzzled everybody. Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question... You know the commandments, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your mother and father, and the church said amen on that one. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. You see, so often we get wrapped up in the presence that we get at Christmas rather than experiencing his presence at Christmas. You know, I give my mother a little joke because she does a, th- she does a thing where she'll take a cake out and put happy birthday Jesus on it. And we always have happy birthday, Jesus. And before anybody rushes the stage to attack me, I'm not a big fan of cake. I don't like cake. At Christmas, I actually get cookies. At my birthday, I get cookies or pie, like pizza pie. Um, I have a problem. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, Some of you are like, did you get steak on your birthday? It was on my pizza. But I am here to tell you that we get so wrapped up in what we have that we forget about what we can give. Some of you might be walking a really great life right now, 
and be going, Lord, I feel so good. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for, for having for being in my life, God. I appreciate you. I love you. I want more of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But you have not shared him with anyone. Pastor Keith was recently talking about end times. And if you've heard it from me once, you'll hear it from me over and over and over again. If you truly believe it's end times, then you will be sharing Jesus with as many people as you come in contact with. Because... The end is the end. It's final. And back when I was 14 years old, God gave me a dream. And I was standing in line going to heaven. It was one of those types of dreams. And as I'm standing in line going to heaven, off to the side, I saw this real dark area. And I was hearing voices yelling from that dark area. And I know what you're thinking, Pastor Pete, you saw hell, and what did it look like? What was this? What was that? I can only tell you that I saw darkness and I heard voices. And as I listened, I began to hear voices that sounded familiar to me. Voices of family members, voices of friends, voices of people I worked with, people I come in contact with. And they were screaming at me, saying, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you share Jesus with me? And I remember in the dream crying back to them, going, I thought you would have thought I was weird. That doesn't sound as good of an argument now. I thought you'd think that I was one of those wackadoo religious freaks. Again doesn't sound like a very good excuse now. See, that man went away sad because he had many possessions. Imagine if he had sold it all. There's a part of me that likes to believe that he did eventually as Jesus' name grew. And he's one of those, those extra disciples that we don't know the specific name from the outside of the 12 that follow Jesus. And I'm closing with this, Pastor Lion, if you mind coming up. In Mark chapter 10, verse 23 through 31, Jesus continues, and Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them, but Jesus said it again, dear children, is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Before we go there, yes, there is a gate in the city of Jerusalem that was called the eye of a needle and you'd have to strip down a camel to walk them through. Or he's talking about an actual needle and trying to shove a ca- Either way, it's tough getting a camel through there, okay? So whether it's a physical needle or the eye of the needle gate, one way or the other, it takes a lot to get ripped off of you before you could enter, according to Jesus there. Jesus looked them... <laughs> Excuse me. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible... But my favorite part of this verse. But not with God. 
everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We're giving up everything to follow you, he said. Peter, kiss up. But he was the best disciple. I don't care what John says, how he was the disciple most loved, whatever. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Jesus looks at him and goes, yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or property for my sake and the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution and in the world to come. That person will have eternal life. Verse 31, but many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. See, Jesus was pretty clear. He's like, just strip it away. Stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about trying to make sure the presents are even under the tree. Stop worrying about the cost of this present versus that present. Now, I'm not telling you mortgage your home to buy your kid an Xbox, okay? I'm telling you, don't be so worried that they're not going to love you. Can I be real? Most of the kids pay attention to what they get. They're not paying attention to the price tag. Don't believe me? Look at their wish lists. My son wants a golf cart. Where is he going to put this golf cart? How is he going to fuel said golf cart? But dad, I can just put it in the backyard. No. He thinks he's just going to putt-putt around the neighborhood with it. I'm terrified when he's driving age. He's already talking about, if we get a car for me, what's this we you speak of? Do you have a mouse in your pocket? That's a dad joke. Some of you are wondering, all right, Pastor Pete, I get it, I get it, I get it. I don't need to worry about the other stuff. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward at this time. You might be saying, I get it. I don't, I don't need to worry about all the, the worldly things and the precious things, the things that I'm deeming precious on this life. But I am here to tell you this. How do, in that question of how do I get that presence that you're speaking of? How do I get more of that in my life? It's very simple. Psalm 104, 104 says this, and I don't have it on the screen. I just wanted to read it to you so you would hear it. It says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You want to know how to share the love of Jesus with someone? Praise his name everywhere. Not just in this room. Do it in your home. Do it in your car. Do it at work. Do it at your desk. Do it at the break room table. Do it on the job site. Do it everywhere. Some of you might be like, yeah, but they're going to think I'm weird. Maybe. But all I know is this. When I was in that dream and I'm standing in line and I'm hearing voices of people that I didn't share Jesus with, say, why didn't you? And I said, but I thought you'd think I was weird didn't seem like the argument that I thought it was in the moment. 
Now, can I give you a positive of social media? I've been able to reach out to past friends. I've been able to share Jesus with some of them. Some of them have accepted, some of them have not. But I've planted seed for the kingdom. Oh, that's good, Pastor Pete. You're a pastor. You're supposed to do that. No, 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 no. You see, pastor, what I do on a Sunday is a vocation. But my assignment as a believer in Jesus Christ is to share him. To spread the word. To give the gift of everlasting life to them. Don't forget the most important thing to have, the presence of Jesus in your life. It's more about the presence than the presence. I'm here to tell you, you want more of him? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Pastor Pete, that's fine, but I just got a doctor's appointment. Well, he is the healer. You want, you want space to get in there? You want an appointment? You gotta enter his gates and his courts. Go sit at his feet. You have the God-given right as a believer to do so. Okay, Pastor Pete, that's fine. I agree with you, but I, I got really bad news. They may cancel my job. You wanna go to God about the job? The one who supplies everything? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Praise his name. Be thankful for him. Okay, Pastor Pete, that's fine, that's fine, but I need, I need these people that are in my life that are tearing me down to leave me alone. Or worse, maybe it's the holiday season. Maybe you've lost someone and this is that first Christmas or second or third or 20th Christmas that you've spent without them. See, especially at the holiday season when we're about sharing with family, maybe this is a hard time for you. Can I encourage you right now to enter his courts, his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Praise his name. They're a believer, they're in heaven. Ooh, let me tell you what. I don't mean this rudely to anything you all have. They are not worried about the presence under the tree. They are not worried about the food being over or undercooked or their favorite meal not being there. They are not worried that you got a pie from Costco instead of homemade. Some of you worry about that. Don't. Some of you are worried that, oh, I did the, I did the slice and, and prepare cookies instead of the homemade from scratch. Don't worry about it. Scripture says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Make it about the presence of God in your life rather than the presence under the tree. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.